Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. If you uh, have been with us, we have been going through a really fun series called Living Well and investigating what does the Proverbs have to say about life? What does scripture have to say about wise living, how to navigate this world that is full of obstacles and chaos, and sometimes it's just hard to know what the wise thing to do is. Um, so this morning, we're going to be talking about why saving. What does saving look like? How can that be done well? And um, as uh, Matt mentioned to me earlier, he's like, this is kind of a little bit opposite seemingly to, you know, wise giving. How does wise saving, how does wise giving interact? All these thoughts when we've been talking about money recently um, are coming into play. And so it's important that we know what to do. So if you think back with me, when you think about saving, what do you think about? Maybe as a kid, you're saving up for um, something with your allowance, or um, maybe you ran a lemonade stand and you collected a bunch of quarters and dollar bills to buy a toy that you really wanted. Um, Maybe you saved up for your first car, you worked really hard at a summer job, and you saved and saved, and you got together maybe a couple thousand, you were able to buy something. Um, And maybe even now you're saving for something, whether that might be a house or or a move or something else. Um, saving has always been a part of our lives, no matter what stage of life. Um, but it often starts as kids. I remember when I was a kid, um, the thing that I always really, really loved to save for was toy cars. I just loved toy cars. I would um, play with them, build cities in my basement with the blocks and Legos I had. And so what I would do when I got my allowance money, like a quarter and dollar here and there, um, or when I would you know, get a quarter from the tooth fairy when I lost a tooth, or perhaps when I got birthday gifts, I would stack my money together and what I really wanted was to buy a, a five pack of Matchbox cars from Walmart or Target. Target usually had the best selection, so I'd always go there when my mom went um, and I would bring um, my quarters, my dollar bills, and I would go pick out the five pack. And a five pack of Matchbox cars usually comes with um, a theme or set, maybe it's some garbage trucks or um, a police department or something like that. And I was always so excited because I wanted to add to my collection so I could make my cities look cooler. And so that was what motivated me to save my dollars, gather all the pennies, the coins that I could. Sometimes my parents would let me take some coins from the piggy bank they had in the kitchen. Um, But that always got me excited. And that, from a young age, taught me to save. Um, Yeah, my parents could have purchased um, the cars for me. And they certainly gave me some toys for Christmas or were able to buy things. But it was always fun for me to learn to save to get the toy cars that I wanted. Often, perspective on saving um, can go a lot of different ways. It may be fun as a kid and and teaches good life lessons, but as we get older, it also becomes really hard. We have bigger purchases to make than just toys or candy or something like that. We actually have purchases that impact life in big ways. And money is a lot too. we have health problems, when we have fires, disasters, when we have a death in the family, money can go out the window pretty easily. And you wonder, how am I supposed to even be prepared? Or even, how much should I save? And so, 
we gladly can go to the Bible because the Bible actually has a lot to say um, about what saving our money looks like and how to handle it well. Um, you might think that saving isn't necessarily a spiritual thing, but actually I think the Bible, Proverbs, and some other passages we're going to look like can show that God needs to be at the heart of all that we do with our money, and that includes saving. The big idea this morning is this, that why saving provides steadiness and freedom to live well for the Lord. Steadiness and freedom to be free to live our lives as responsible people, but also to be free to serve the Lord, to love our neighbor, all of those things. Saving allows us to have a steadiness. Now, it's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. As we've looked at all the other um, wise passages from Proverbs, it's not a formula to say, if you do this, everything will go well, but it's a good foundation that we can create a steadiness with our money. And so this morning, we'll be hopping around to uh, several, a lot of different passages. So have your fingers ready, if, whether to swipe on your Bible app um, or if you have a physical Bible with you. Um, if you would like uh, or already have it, you can download the Connect Church app and sermon notes. You can take some there and look at passages. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, so we're going to be hopping around Proverbs. If you want them to Proverbs chapter 6, we'll be starting there soon. But before we begin, I want to just go before the Lord and invite him into this discussion about money. Again, it's such a sensitive topic. It's really hard when we live in a really big city that is really focused on money. And so we're always pursuing different things. And so it's always good to send ourselves on this is what God has in store for us and how we can be wise with our money. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the space that we get together and enjoy each other's company, but also to worship and to listen to your word and to abide in your wisdom both together and in our families, that we can just learn to serve you well with our money, um, that we can learn to love our neighbor well with our money, and that we can learn um, just how to spread the gospel um, in simple ways with our money too. Um, It's a tool that you can glorify and bless, and so help us to see that and learn from what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. So just as Proverbs has provided rich thoughts to all the other things that we've been talking about, so too do we have good truths about money. Starting in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, uh, opening there, um, we're going to look at just little bits and uh, snippets of what saving money looks like. There's not necessarily a whole passage in Proverbs that just rolls through. Here's all the ways you save money. There's kind of just pockets of little things. If you've read Proverbs before, you know that they're not necessarily a cadence or order to some of them, but just piecing together, we can collect some good wisdom about it. Um, Back in ancient Israel, people still had to deal with money. So when we look at these Proverbs, we can pretty much still rely on them because it's been timeless. We still have to deal with money. We still have to know how to handle it wisely. And so looking at these, they still remain true today. People still had to be smart with their money. Uh, But sometimes it's when we are filled in a culture that's always trying to give us the next step. We listen to podcasts giving us smart money advice. There's a lot of jargon that can go on, but it's always good to remember cultures about wisdom with money. And so Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8 says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. This proverb is short and sweet, very simple, but it gives us a very real, very imaginable example of what saving looks like. An ant. Ants are pretty lowly. We don't really maybe think about them much. Maybe as kids... They're kind of fun to watch as they work in, um, um, work with their colony and collect different um, bits and pieces of food. But they have a whole colony to take care of. And so when winter comes along, they've got to make sure they have enough. And so that's 
why we often see in cartoons, they're carrying off the big pieces of food from the picnic and it looks kind of silly, but ants have a lot of work to do. They have to save and do it well, partly for survival, they're in their instinct. Um, and they also are never slothful. You're never going to see an ant just, you know, kind of sitting there, just, you know, totally its antenna or something like that. No, an ant is actually going and doing things because it has a job to do, and it also knows that there is time constraint. The seasons are always changing. It needs to move. Proverbs 21 also contains some more wisdom for us that really pairs with this well. Proverbs 21, verses 5 and 20 are what we're going to look at. Um, and here, just little short phrases, which are really great to memorize and just take home. Um, this Proverbs author writes, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. In verse 20 from chapter 21 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. This proverb leads us to the truth that saving requires preparation. It involves preparation. You can't just save and not put in some work to plan for the future. You have to think with that in mind. You can't just live in the present and save, but actually you have to have some goals, some plans. Where are you going? also has some survival aspect to it as well. Saving involves preparation. And we're shown this being a wise way with our money and resources to prepare. And I can say with certainty that, it's not that God is calling us to be ants and continuously working and only in survival mode. But he does call us to maybe partner with him and think about where can I place myself to be ready for the future? Uh, maybe that's with another baby on the way, or perhaps God's preparing you to leave school and, and find a job. And so we need to think a little bit about what does the future look like and how can I prepare? Yeah, we can't predict the future and we can't always guarantee that it's going to end up exactly as we want it. But what we can do is we can set ourselves up to have the foundation for that to be ready, for that to just play out as God can best intend and as we can best understand. And if you note that that first parable um, piece with the ants where um, Solomon addresses the sluggard, it's quite a strong word. And when I first read it, I was like, whoa, is am I the sluggard? Like, who's the sluggard? We don't really use that word a whole lot either. So I wondered, you know, what, what does that look like? How might we be sometimes sluggards or um, the lazy or the entitled in our lives? What happens to get us there? And sometimes I wonder it's when we think that we can just quickly fix all the things we know, like get cash grab, quick money somewhere, so we don't really have to invest or think about the future uh, or plan well. Or perhaps just squandering, living in the moment, which is good to be in the moment, but also you can't just spend it all at once. You've got to plan and think for the future. And so when I see Solomon addressing the sluggard, I think, man, it's when we're maybe thinking we can just skim by, when we can just hope for the best and, you know, maybe that paycheck will come in um, and I'll just, you know, use it as it comes. Sometimes we think that we can just, you know, skirt on by, but really wise living requires planning. And it requires a little bit of work. But what God can do with that is really cool, is that when we set ourselves up, when we save involving preparation, we can see that we have steadiness, that we have a foundation to start with. That's a really good thing when we're talking about our finances. Um, I really realized this when I came out here um, to move for school. I was in undergrad and was wrapping up, and I realized two important things. One, Denver is much more expensive, and I also have to pay for moving to get out here. And two, I also needed to get a different car that 
could handle mountain living and also just make it across the country. I had an older Ford Focus before and it just, you didn't want to take too many more trips across the country with it. And so I knew I needed to plan to figure out how am I going to pay for this new transition and get ready for um, you know, having a more reliable car and also just preparing to pay for grad school and moving. And so I had to figure out instead of you know just living as a lot of college students do you know just going to taco bell every once in a while and then also you're going out to eat with friends and then you're buying something cool that you see online because you don't really think about the future you're kind of in the moment but as i finished i was like oh man like i have i have like a lot of life coming up that i need to figure out what to do and so i had to figure that plan out of what it looked like to save involving preparation and maybe, again, you're there. Maybe everyone's story looks a little bit different when you finally realize, oh, I, I have to save. I have to plan for something. Um, and what we can do is we can trust God by partnering with him in being responsible and good stewards of what we have by preparing. Whatever that season might look like. But I also want to address this, that saving involving preparation is good, but it also has to be with the right heart and right attitude. Because it can be done in a lot of different ways, too. And one of those ways is that we might save because we're nervous. We're anxious about what the future holds. We're worried. And well, there's a lot of merit to why that might be and why that might be a motivation. We're also taught by scripture that we can trust God to sustain us and that we don't have to save because we're frantically trying to get things together or that we're worried about what the future might hold because God meets our needs and he resolves our anxieties about money. And so Philippians chapter 4, which many of you probably know well, and this passage that I'm going to read will strike home, when Paul writes that um, to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, um, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How appropriate, I think, for saving money, for addressing our money, is that yes, we can do things in the vein of worry and nervousness, but we also can trust God that, yeah, we might not know how things will come together, but God knows every single need that we have and that he hears our prayers. And so when we lift things up to him, he does respond. Maybe not the ways that we think or recognize, but he does. And we can also trust that with our money, that God will provide, that we can save without worry, but just save in preparation and the steadiness that we can use with wisdom. But savings is not just a topic covered in Proverbs. Uh, We covered that, but we're also going to see a lot in the New Testament, actually. Jesus really covers a lot about money. And so I think it complements really well what we see in Proverbs, what Jesus offers us. Um, The New Testament also covers it in Paul's letters um, in Hebrews. And so we're going to look there. So if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to dip into there real quick. Um, Truly, it's a timeless topic. It shows that if the Old Testament can talk about it, the New Testament can talk about it, it's still relevant today. And it's still important for us to know how to do well. Um, The final exhortation in Hebrews 13 is what we're going to look at. And so the author of Hebrews, um, a little ambiguous. We're not exactly sure who it might be. There's several possibilities. But we know that um, the author is writing to the church. And in this final exhortation, the author is giving just different reminders about living well, um, representing um, well in the church to, you know, abstain from sin or immorality to, you know, make sure things are tidied up and all those things. And so Hebrews thirteen five is another insertion, just another reminder to the church as the letter concludes. 
about how to handle money and to remember that money is not to be a slave driver, but actually we're called to be free from money. And so Hebrews 13, 5 says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The author wants us to remember that we're not meant to be enslaved to money, but actually we can be free from it. Yes, the love of money is very real, and we've seen that in our culture across the world too, that money will drive us to do crazy things, to do terrible things, and turn away from the people that we love. And so we don't want money to be our slave driver. We don't want money to have power over us. We want freedom from that. And we also see that we can trust in that freedom from money because God has said, never will I leave you, never have I forsaken you. And so this should tell us that saving, when we save money, we're actually enabling freedom. Saving enables freedom. It takes us away from the dependence on money because we're not just maybe living the paycheck to paycheck. And I know that is circumstantial. Sometimes you have to, but also when you can set yourself up and save well, you also enable yourself some freedom that you can have the independence to not be so tied with money. But then also when you save money, you you can have the freedom to give. You can have the freedom to go where God calls you in a lot of different circumstances. Saving enables freedom. It allows us to escape the slave driver that money can be and realize that God is a much better master. Saving enables freedom. And so that really comes to mind, I guess, when you think when you're saving money, I can wait or I can hold off just a little bit longer. Let's think about this. Those are the kind of phrases that come when you're embracing the freedom that comes with wise saving. You can say, not now, maybe later, but I trust God and he will provide. Um, and saving money is not just only for freedom um, from the constant drum. We're always you know, bombarded with materialism. We're uh, always told we got to get the next iPhone. We got to get um, the new model of car that came out. We're always bombarded by that. But when we save, we actually see that we have some value in what we get, where we don't just have to get the next thing, but we say, oh, actually, maybe I want this later down the road and I can wait. Or I know my, my family needs this. I know that God can provide this later. It gives us some, a little bit more cadence to our choices that we don't have, just have to go with the rhythm that society is telling us to do with our materials. Um, the other thing is just recognizing that we get to enjoy freedom to give. When we save, we have the freedom to give generously to the people in our church community. We can um, do things with our neighbors outside of church as well. Um, all the different nonprofits and things in our community, we have that freedom to serve and love. One thing that I really thought specifically is like, how do I embrace freedom with this? Is just by being a good steward. When we look back at Genesis, God calls um, mankind to be good stewards of the earth, to work the ground and take care of it. And while we don't necessarily live in an agrarian society, I think we can still look at our resources as a form of that, where we work the ground, we take care of it, we work our money for good and do what we can to take care of it. And saving does a lot of that, where we get to be learn to be good stewards and responsible, uh, responsibility with it. So while preparing for the future is good and uh, while finding freedom is good, there's one important piece that really ties all this together, that really makes saving the, the saving viable that we can do um, to be wise with our money. 
And this comes from Jesus' illustration in Luke chapter 12, if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 12 um, is a moment where Jesus gives a parable um, about a rich fool. And maybe you've heard this parable before. Um, there's a lot of different thoughts that you could have on it. But when I read it, I also was struck by how appropriate it is to this last point on saving, that it ties our ambition and our heart behind saving really well. And so in chapter 12, um, Jesus is speaking and has been speaking to a crowd. And um, he brings this parable up when a person says in the crowd, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds by saying, like, I'm not the judge between you that um, he's leading up to a point that he's going to make here with money. And so he's like, I'm not the judge, but let me tell you this. He sees that his, this heart of the person who's asking, the man who's asking the crowd, is probably not right, that he has an ambition here with asking for um, his inheritance to be divided that is not probably good. And so Jesus leads, uh, follows with this story in chapter um, 12, verses 16 through 21. Jesus said, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Then, um, and then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. See, Jesus' Jesus' parable is quite serious. He clearly lays out that our priorities have to be with our Father and and not here on earth. That our wealth should be in relationship with God and not just our bank account, our statements, our numbers, what we've invested in our portfolio. That's where our wealth should be. And that's where we find this last truth about saving, is that saving requires the right heart. We can't truly embrace wise saving if we don't have the right heart about it. Yes, we can prepare, but not worry, but yes, we can find freedom and try not to get caught up in the rhythms of materialism. But if we don't have the right heart behind it, then it's all futile. It's not worth it. You see, our heart behind it can't be to make a name for ourselves, to live a life of ease, when, of course, that is something that's really advertised around us. But that's not the point, and that's not what makes saving successful either. You see, instead, we need to look at the right heart we need to look at the right heart behind all that we do. We want to try to save in a way that gives glory to God and honors what he has done and also loves our community around us. So I have two ideas for how we can save well and save with the right heart. And the first one is to save to give. Save to give. You see, throughout the New Testament and church history, we see people giving all that they have to one another that no one has wants or need because all their once and needs have been filled. And truly, we often think, oh, I want to get back to that. But one way that we need to ensure that maybe we can get back to that, we can be generous and go above and beyond what's expected, is that we can save. Because when we have savings to pull from, we don't have to say, I can't help this time. You know, I don't have the finances right now, but maybe we have them ready because we've saved well. Or perhaps it looks like going above and beyond and paying for someone's groceries in line. Maybe you have a single mom um, as a neighbor and it's just 
a lot to um, pay for her groceries every week and so you step in and cover her groceries. You have the money ready to do that. Or perhaps it's paying the auto repair bill of someone in the church because they just can't afford it this week. Saving to give allows us to have the right heart because we see our money is not our own, it's actually God's. And then we also see that our wealth is not coming from the savings growing, but actually the investment in the kingdom that comes later. And one way we can do this is by, of course, reaching out to our different neighbors and different things like that. Um, but we also can just save to give by giving to church, of course, giving to missions, um, giving to the places and community that need someone just to reach out um, with finances. And we often write that out, and finances are so um, tough to talk about, I think, in our culture where we're always comparing, we're always seeing where we are in the hustle. But truly, God uses finances in beautiful, big ways, and we can trust him with that. So, save to give. And the second thing is to provide a mode of stability and freedom for our families, for our friends to experience Christ. Saving allows us to plan ahead and be able to take a week off so that we can go see a hurting friend who maybe has lost their spouse or a loved one. Um, Saving allows us to go take some time off to go maybe be on a mission trip um, and see what God is doing there. Uh, Saving sometimes opens up doors so that you can buy a home so that you can invite people in to host them, to make them have a home when they haven't before. That you can maybe extend a non-traditional family and adopt people in. You see, we can provide a steady and hopeful and free um, experience to Christ with our money when we use it well. And I think that's what God wants us to do, is that, yes, we want to be wise. We want to make sure that we can live well in retirement, that we can um, enjoy life as it is. But that can't be our only goal. We have to go above and beyond that. I think that's what Scripture calls us to do. I think that's what Jesus calls us to do. If we truly want to see our wealth not just be here, but in our relationship with God. Saving saving can open up a lot of doors to share Christ with each other. So as you sat there and listened to all these attributes about saving, perhaps you've thought, man, I'm not doing so great with that. I feel stuck living paycheck to paycheck, and I've also blown through money before. I don't know even how to get started with this. Like It just doesn't seem like this is something I can do. I'm with you. Like I, I, it's hard. Saving is not an easy thing by any means. Whether we've had a bad start, maybe your parents didn't teach you how to save, and so you couldn't really do much about that. You had a bad start from the beginning. Or maybe you're just trying to walk through this materialistic culture, and there's just, it's so hard. But we have hope outside of our money, and that's in Jesus. That's the best thing, is that when everyone else is telling us that we need to go find a side hustle or that we need to um, make sure we're investing in this stock or whatever, that might be true, but that's not where our hope lies. Sure, it can be helpful for short-term gains here, but we can't put our hope in it because the stock will crash, we'll run out of money, but hope is always found in God. That's where our hope best fits. Jesus redeems any story too. Whether your money story has maybe looked ugly or frustrating, Jesus can redeem it. He can provide the wisdom, the strength to figure out the way that we can be wise with our money. The best thing is that we have the hope of the resurrection, but also the power of the Holy Spirit to get us through anything that we need to do with our finances, that we can depend on one another to get us through different difficult seasons. See, 
when we talk about money, there's often a lot of you know, different steps and there's a lot of like, we need to do this and this and this. But truly, I want to rest and end this with realizing that there's hope. That money is not just this thing that we have to learn to deal with, but it's something that can be hopeful, that we can share hope with one another in using it well. So we ultimately want to hope in this, that we become more intentional, more generous, and more hopeful as we do day by day, as we look at Christ, that living as Christ does, as investing in Him, is the best investment that we will ever make. So as we reflect upon what Proverbs in the New Testament has offered us on saving, we circle back to this truth, that wise saving provides steadiness, freedom to live well for the Lord. This whole series has been about living well, and hopefully this morning that you feel that empowerment with saving, that last week you felt that with giving, and we'll continue that, that money, it doesn't have to be a burden, doesn't have to become an idol, but we can be free from it, and we can use it to glorify the Lord. So it's pretty opposite from the rest of the world. I know walking out here, you're going to be bombarded as you go to the restaurant or as you use your phone. You're going to be bombarded by ads and all these things telling you that you need this thing. Remember, you're not a slave to money. Money is not your master, but God is. And he is a good and faithful master. And he knows what you need before um, you might even realize it. So the stuff you buy isn't going to get you any of that but the Lord will. So with that, save well and use it for the kingdom. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the um, truth that you have in your word. There's a lot of um, just wisdom that we sometimes glance over, but I'm so that that we got to spend this time talking about money and saving this morning. Um, I ask that you would just impress upon us the generosity that comes with our money that saving we can provide steady um, steadiness and freedom for ourselves and for the people around us, that we can do the gospel, that we can um, bring that to life, loving our neighbor and um, just giving well and all those things. And so empower us this week to realize that. Um, give us strength just against materialism and the hard things that we face in this world, always pulling out our money, but realize that we have hope in you and that that is the best hope that we could ever have. Nothing else could give us that. So I just thank you for your son that gives us that freedom and the spirit that gives us the power. In Jesus' name, amen.